0: for the Culture podcast. So happy for you to be here. Today, we're going to talk about the 2020-2021 admission cycle, college counseling, deadlines, all that stuff. For all my seniors out there, this is for you. And I have a very special melodic guest with me today. So today I have with me Esperanza Barrero, who is a college counselor at the Master school, which is a high school in Westchester for those who don't know. So yeah, hello, Ms. Barrero. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about the topic of college counseling um, and admissions, especially in these times.
0: So yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, wow, thank you for being here. So um, fun fact, she's actually my real college counselor in high school, which is why I keep calling her Miss Ferrero and not like her first name, (laughs) because I I think that's going to be our relationship from now on. So yeah, um, she has definitely helped me a lot in my college process journey. And I'm so thankful um, for her, all her guidance um, throughout. So yeah, that's, I thought she should come and drop some gems for you guys as well. So first question is deadlines this year. Um, For those who don't know, like what are the deadlines um, for admissions like ED, EA, RD, things like that? just keep on track. Okay,
1: so just like some, you're just talking about like some general kind of like information about what it all means and what these deadlines typically are, is that correct? Yeah. Um, so you have a couple of different ways you can apply to college. Um, the most popular ones are gonna be ED, so early decision. There's gonna be early action, which is early EA, and there's gonna be regular decision. Um, I think the other important deadline I would throw in there is gonna be December 1st, which is typically called by colleges like a priority deadline. And many colleges attach like consideration for scholarship to that deadline. Um, And some kind of basic, um, some basic differences between all of them is early decision is a binding agreement you make with a college. And that is, I'm applying early, You're gonna, I'm applying by November 1st usually, sometimes November 15th is another deadline um, that they'll, they'll put for ED. And you apply and they will let you know if you've been accepted by December, mid-December. And if you are accepted, the, con- the binding contract is that you will not apply to any other school and you will go to that school. Um, the early action one is really a non-binding agreement So you apply early, November 1st, November 15th, um, and they will let you know somewhere between mid-December and February, right? So it could be a little bit later for early action. But if they accept you, you are free to apply to other schools, look at all your packages and all your acceptances, and then make a decision on that school uh, or comparing them to everything else for May 1st. So that's an important distinction between the two one is binding, you can't really get out of what that means too, if you are somebody who is wants to compare financial aid packages early decision isn't really a great option because you don't get to do that. You get the one financial aid package from that one school and you have to take it as is, as long as it's affordable to you. Um, And you don't get to apply to other schools and say like what would have happened if I applied here or there. So it is a binding agreement. You have to just be careful of it. I would say that one thing you want to do if you're applying early decision is think about if that is your top school, right? If it's your number one choice and you're like, I really want to go there. I don't, I would take it over every other school. Then that could be a good decision for you. Um, But if what you're really saying is like, "Um, I don't know, I really love three to four schools and I can't really choose one. ED might not be for you because you should just apply to all those other schools and see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it it really should be your first choice school. Um, The priority deadline, which is usually December 1st, attached to scholarship is important for people to know uh, because you don't want to get your application out there and then miss your opportunity to be qualified for scholarship because you applied like January 1st. So just be aware that not every school does that, but it is out there and many schools do use that deadline as a scholarship deadline. Mm. And one last thing I would add in there which some people don't really know about is ED2. And that's the second round. So ED1 typically is November 1st, November 15th. ED2 is gonna be January 1st, the same deadline as regular decision, but it is binding. Okay, so you apply January first. it's a binding agreement, just like ED-1, and then they will let you know by April, March or April, and if you get accepted, you will be expected to withdraw all your applications to every other school you apply to and go to that ED-2 school. So just let me throw out there as an option. Um, yeah. Oh.
0: Is that a- yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> I hope people got a pen and paper and wrote that down. I know that if you're indecisive, please don't do ED. I'm very indecisive. So I was just like, Ms. Barrero, this ED is not gonna happen. I'm just gonna wait a little longer. <laughs> so for my indecisive people, it's not for you. But EA, yes, do that.
1: EA, EA is an excellent option for most people. Um, And I really would recommend it to most people, but there are certain circumstances that I wouldn't recommend it. I think it's important to know that. Um, So EA, you're free to do early action to as many schools as you want. Mm -hmm. And it's a good way to kind of get some responses early on. And the other great thing is if they let you know before that regular decision deadline in January. So let's suppose you've ranked five schools in order and your number two school accepted you in December early action, well, why would you apply to your number three or number four and waste that application fee, right? So it could be good as long as they they notify you early enough, not all schools do that. Mm -hmm. But here's what I wanna say about students who should not do early action. Early action should not be done by students whose junior year grade wise wasn't that great, Mm -hmm. right? So if you are going through high school, your junior year ended up not being a good year for you, but senior year you're doing really well, you wanna make sure you apply regular decision so that the school will see your first semester grades. Many schools out there for early action are only evaluating your application based on your grades from nine, 10 and 11. And they're gonna leave out those first semester grades and make a decision on you. So if those aren't your best grades, you might not be helping yourself. Mm. If you wanna throw extra support on your, to your application because you're doing really well senior year, wait till regular decision. Mm. Let them see your first semester grades, and then that adds support like, oh, that students were doing really well now. I feel like I can support them and admit them to my college.
0: Yeah, that's so. that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, Now on to, oh, yes. So about this pandemic and being a senior. So I know that this pandemic is bringing a lot of barriers to people right now. College tours are virtual, interviews are virtual. Um, A lot of people's financial situation is very different right now. And Just not a lot of info is coming as easy as it was when things were in person. So I know that this process is definitely a lot more difficult now with everything um, being virtual with the pandemic. How can a senior be victorious during this admission cycle? Like how can they still get the results that they're hoping for um, despite all these barriers? So, I think the number
1: one thing a senior could do right now to help themselves and it it does require. So what this requires is more legwork on the students part. Right. What we have seen as a trend is that actually um, College admissions offices are more accessible right now than ever before. So I know that over my over my time of being a college counselor. This is my 10th year as a college counselor. I can't even believe
0: that happened, but
1: this is my 10th year as a college counselor. (laughs) And what I have seen is that, you know, there's this idea uh, that you're going to go out there and visit colleges, right? You're going to go on that college tour and you're going to go, you know, like even when I was a kid, uh, my parents dragged me along to these college tours. And FYI, I didn't want to go to college, but that's another story. So I got dragged along to these college tours and like every weekend my parents were like jump in the car, you're going to go here, you're going to go here and they would just take me, we'd get out of a car and you would see a school and by the time it was all over I saw like five schools, I didn't know anything about them because I really wasn't interested because I didn't organize it. Mm. Also, I have worked with many students where like the idea you're going to visit like six schools and two of them might not even be that close by to you. Now you have to find like a family member who's going to bring you. You yeah. have to have a car. You have to have a lot of resources to kind of go on these tours and that's not accessible to everyone. Yeah. But what what we have seen with the pandemic is all of a sudden college admission offices are like, "Oh my god, we have to do everything virtually." And so they have info sessions, they have virtual tours, they have one-to-one meetings with their admissions officers, they have small group meetings, they have application workshops, they have a million things that you could do. Now online, you don't have to step out of your living room, you don't need a car, you don't need anything except for computer and internet, right? In order to do this. And to me, that's been one of the major positive things because now for people who weren't able to do those tours or didn't want to or or even now it takes more ownership right like you're a student you go onto a website you sign up for a college info session and it's not your mom or dad or you know whoever you live with bringing you and dragging you along to places you don't want to be right so um I would say that the number one thing that a senior could do in this application cycle is really take advantage to all the opportunities that they are giving you to get to know their school. Um, If you go on to most of with uh, admission sites, many of them are doing one to one and they're not necessarily interviews. It's just a one to one conversation where you could ask questions like um, tell me about these majors or tell me about this or Another, a lot of them are doing financial aid nights where you can go in with your paperwork and they can give you estimates of how much it will be. And so it's a lot more personal in this virtual world. And I think that's really, really helpful for college for seniors right now applying to college and I would take advantage of that for sure. Mm. Um, it'll give you a clearer picture if you want to apply. And I think it'll give you a clearer picture about, you know, what's the cost going to be and what's the affordability of that college. Um, and you get to connect with possibly the people who are reading your application, which is going to always be a plus. Wow. I yeah.
0: didn't know all that. Wow. that's so cool. <laughs> um, so yeah. I know right now, also because of the pandemic, standardized testing is optional for seniors at least. And um, I guess it's a question of is it if you're able to, please, if your cases are rising stay home don't do it but is it advisable if you know you booked a place it's for certain that you're able to do it you studied a lot is it worth it to still go like will it give you an edge in admissions wise
1: so that's a big question that's like a super loaded question this year um and the idea that as a country, most of our colleges have gone test optional. is really hard to kind of like wrap your head around, yeah. Um, because for so long, this has been such an embedded piece of the college application, and almost for a lot of people, it's kind of like a rite of passage. Like I took the SATs and I sat there for three hours, and you know, I did all the things that you have to do to like try to get a good SAT score. I would say, especially considering that one, what time of year it is. So we're, we're like almost in November. Um, I think that testing right now is a huge distraction. And as I would advise any student I'm working with to not take testing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a couple of things for it. I think very basically it's most colleges out there are not asking for testing anymore. Right. There is a few out there that are right and they tend to be like Florida State schools for some reason, like can't get it cut out of their their requirements, but like if you're not going to a Florida State school like does that matter. Um, Probably not, but I say most schools out there are test optional and when they say they're test optional, it means that they're just not considering your tests right so like Mm -hmm. if there are two candidates who are exactly equal and one has a test and the other one doesn't, it's not like that student who has a test gets an advantage over you. Mm. They're just not taking those into consideration. So my, my thinking around this is like, why are we submitting these tests then? Or why are you going out there and taking the test during a pandemic, especially right now when we know cases are on the rise? And we're probably one of the worst times, wherever you might be listening to this podcast, we're like one of the worst times our country has ever been with this pandemic yeah so do you really need to be out there taking a test and my other kind of comment would be like how well are you going to take that test when the person next to you starts coughing or you know somebody sneezes like are Mm -hmm. you going to be able to answer I'll I'll just walk
0: out No, no 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 I'll just walk out right then and there no
1: (laughs) so I also feel like the conditions really aren't set up for you to do your best And then if you get a result afterwards that you're not happy with, at the end of the day, are you going to be comfortable saying like you risked your life to take a test that you're not even going to submit because you didn't even do well on it? I would say no. All of that is not worth it, right? And and then if I think about the larger context of all of this, we also know as a country in terms of who's being most affected by COVID, we're, we're looking at our black and brown communities. Um, we also know that the SAT is biased against black and brown communities, um, that we traditionally don't do well, but not because, because the test is designed, not for us. There's a lot of cultural bias in it. So Mm -hmm. like, my other question on a larger level is like, why do I wanna participate in a test that's not designed to have me to show my strengths? Mm-hmm. And why do I wanna do that at a time when so many black and brown people are dying um, because of COVID and I'm gonna put myself out there for college.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so I would say no to the tests, right? Like don't do the test, it's too late. It's November, you could technically still take tests out there. But like, why are you doing that? And then the other question is, if you are using time every night to study for this test, right, because you can't just show up one day, take a test and get a great score. This test is about the more you study, the better you do, the more resources you have to get test prep, the better you do. Yeah. Um, It's a test where the people, it's directly correlated to your household income. The higher your household income is, the better you do, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're dedicating an hour a night to test prep, and you could use that hour to do better in your math class or in your science class, that's going to be way more important for your college application this year mm-hmm. than anything else, than any, than any one test could ever do for you. So I would say, keep your GPA up, do well in your courses so that when they see your grades, they're like, oh, this student really has it together. Every college out there, whether they like to admit it or not, every college out there knows that the best predictor of success in college is your high school GPA. Mm. So the idea that you're gonna do really well on a test And that is the predictor of success for college. They already know that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of people can do well on a test. That doesn't mean they're going to be successful in college. But your high school GPA has always consistently been the best predictor of your college, your first year of college success. Mm. So concentrate on that GPA. Get the GPA up. That's much more important than taking a test right now. So, so stay I have, home. I have strong That's feelings about this. Stay home. Stay That's, home. Do, <laughs> stay home and do your homework.
0: <laughs> That's the bottom line. Uh, yeah, if it was me, I would not take that because I did not have a good time. But if you're like a junior or like a sophomore, should you still prepare, right?
1: So as of right now, yes, I would still prepare for the SATs. Let's see what happens in in the spring. I really don't know. It's one of those things about COVID, like, We don't know what May and June are going to look like. Maybe we get to a place where all testing has resumed to normal and we can do it safely. And many colleges have indicated that for them, this test optional thing is really just for the class of 2020, 2021, the graduating Mm -hmm. class of 2021. So you don't want to get caught out there not prepared as a junior or a sophomore. So keep going as if life were regular. Prep for the test um but there will come a point where you have to make a decision but we'll have to see like what colleges are doing if all colleges next year declare test optional once again like I would be more inclined to maybe go that test optional way right yeah I I think I think it's particularly interesting as well there's two things one thing that's interesting is that some some colleges are test optional is their policy now right Mm -hmm. for this year some colleges have chosen to Um, take on a do no harm test policy, which says like you, if you submitted your scores and they were low, they'll just throw them out themselves. Whereas other Mm. colleges, if they're just test optional and your scores were below um, their average, they would have to consider them if you submitted them, even though they're not, they're not really great. Yeah. So it's like they can't, unsee, they can't unsee them kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure that as you're deciding, like I'm going to go test optional or not test optional, because some people out there took a test like in March, but they're like, oh, I'm not really happy about it. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I should submit it or not submit it. And I've had some students like, if I submit it, doesn't that make me look good? No, if it's not within the average score of that institution, Submitting the score itself doesn't make, you don't get any points for that. And quite possibly you might get detracted some points for it in mm. terms of evaluation. So just yeah. be very careful if you if you are thinking about submitting a score or not submitting a score because you took the test one time um, before all of this COVID thing happened.
0: Mm. That's a good point, that's a good point. <laughs> and (laughs) laughing at me (laughs) yeah um that's a good point actually just stay home we don't know what's gonna happen take it one day at a time and focus on what you can control at this moment because yeah everything's pretty unpredictable right now well I know that we also behind the scenes talked a lot about like a balanced college list for yourself and if you want to learn more about how to make a college list check out the first episode of this podcast but yeah um I know that making I know that making a list for yourself people kind of just choose a few of the most popular ones and then like their local school and then that's it because that's all I know and it's like there's so many colleges out there and I think there's many different things that come across people's mind like if you're not really confident in your abilities, you may not want to reach so far because you're like, oh, they're going to reject me. So why should I apply? Um, Or you might be overconfident and you're like, I'm just going to only apply to one school. I'm going to like apply to all the IVs or to these competitive places. And I'm definitely going to get in when they may not be the case sometimes. So how can someone make a balance, like a confident balanced college list for themselves?
1: So it's a good question. I love that. I love the topic of like making the list because I think there's a lot to talk about in conversation. I think most people make the list like erroneously, they begin doing it the wrong way. Um, I think you need to start by building a foundation by your foundation school, and then you need to work your way up to the idea of these target schools and these reach schools right? And I think most people start off with like that super duper selective school that everybody's ever heard of. Like a lot of people start there and they're like, I'm going to apply to these three, three schools or these four schools. And then they don't give enough consideration to their foundation schools. Um, so I would encourage people like start with your foundation schools. Let's start with those, what people have traditionally called targets. I mean, likely schools or safety schools, right? Um, I think most people are familiar with the term safety school. Um, so I know, I know here at our school, we always say likely school because we don't like the negative connotation behind a safety school. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I got in, but I don't really want to go is usually the general attitude of a safety school. And we're hoping more so like a likely school is that you're just likelier to get in, but you still really like school. Yeah. So I think I think it's important to kind of start there. And traditionally, those are also the harder to find, right? So, mm-hmm. what's a what's a school that I'm likely to get into that I'm also gonna like? Um, those are those are a lot of check you know boxes to kind of fill. Um, whereas those super duper selective schools that everyone has heard of and your family will brag about you forever if you go there, right? Because I I feel like that gets into people's yeah. minds. Um, those are like the schools that are really easy, you can name them off the top of your, you know, on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. So I would start with those likely schools. Um, and, you know, whatever resources you have, use your resources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the books I really like is the Fisk guidebook. I don't know if, mm-hmm. um, if many people use that and you can you can either get that on like Amazon or your 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 bookstore or your local library always has these college resources in the local libraries as well. So you can get the fist Guide. I think they do a really good job of kind of giving descriptions um, of different colleges. And this is when you are thinking about college, the college research research part is really important. Um, And one of the things I really like about that school, that book is like, let's suppose you're applying to like Union College at the end of their description of Union College, they're gonna give you overlap schools. So schools that are like Union and have what they have, mm-hmm. um, and they're gonna give you suggestions for like eight more schools. And so it, you, it becomes like this web where you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll look at this one, I'll look at this one, I'll look at this one. And it can take you through like 30 schools that way. Mm-hmm. So I think starting starting with your foundation school, your likely school, you're gonna to wanna to do that. And then you're gonna build onto your target schools. So your target schools, you're gonna completely match their profile in terms of middle average GPA, middle average standardized test scores, if that's a factor. Um, and also like they have your major, they have the things you're looking for. And then those reach schools are gonna be reached for a couple of different reasons, right? They're gonna be reached because maybe you fall a little bit short if, you're, if they're looking at like three sevens and you have like a three six as a GPA, um, maybe your testing's a little bit lower, maybe, you know, you don't have specifically the coursework that other accepted students have to get into that school, but you're kind of close. Um, That could be a reach school for you or a reach school could be a super selective school that has a um, acceptance rate of 20% or below. And in that case, it doesn't matter if you have perfect test scores and a perfect GPA, it's still a reach school for that person, right? Yeah. Because we know that they are denying 80% of their candidates and only accepting like 20%, right? So it could be reached for that reason. Um, And then the last thing about kind of like building your list, I think it's really important to have this idea, especially now of a financial likely school, right? So Mm -hmm. a couple schools on your list that you know are gonna be really, they're gonna be affordable to you. Because if all else fails, and you don't get those financial aid packages somewhere else, um, or your situation changes, and your parents thought they might have this amount of money, um, and that has drastically been reduced, you still have those in your back pocket. And you know that no matter what, they will be affordable. And those tend to be, I mean, if you're, depending where you live, I don't know what you're like, um, your listeners, where they all live, but those tend to be more of like the state schools. Yeah. Um. Maybe maybe the city schools like CUNY and SUNY. Right now, New York is still running the Excelsior program, so any family yeah. who has $125,000 below in their family income can qualify for free tuition at a state school or a CUNY school.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's something to kind of have in your back pocket, I think, because you know. You you want you also want to make sure that school is affordable. Do we want to take yeah. on loans? Do you want to end up with sixty-seventy thousand dollars in debt when you graduate? Are I you thinking not. about master?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope not either. That's not fun.
1: <laughs> I hope not either. But the reality is so many people do. Yeah. And I think um it's it's interesting to me because. I, I also lived in another country and I, I have a lot of friends who live in a lot of places and they never understand the American ideal that we pay so much for our education. and We go in debt for it. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're from countries where it doesn't cost that much or it's, it's given to you for free or it's a very low cost for higher education. And so they're like, you took on how much debt to get a bachelor's degree. Yeah. That sounds crazy to so many people in the world. But for Americans, right, like I grew up this way. It's just the way you, it's just the way way it is. And I don't think a lot of people question it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a lot
1: of people don't question it at all. They're just like, I'm going to take on $50,000 in debt at age 18, right? Like, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Um, I will tell you, I am almost 40. And I am still paying my master's degree off. Like, wow, that's just reality, Hmm. right? So it's certainly something to think about in terms of affordability and how many years you are practically going to be in school.
0: Yeah, that student loan situation. That's a whole other conversation entirely because it's really <laughs> messed up. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely important to think about affordability. That was my number one thing. I came into your office. I was like, can I afford it? Just let me know. Can I afford to go here? Um and this is one of my last questions. Yeah, one of my last questions about college counseling in general. Like I've just met many different people. Everyone has a college counselor in their school, some way, shape, or form. Maybe they call it guidance counselor because you need their recommendation um and their guidance to mm-hmm. get into college in general. And I know that, you know, there's some people that have a great relationship with their college counselor. And there's a lot of people I know that do not. Like it's If you're in a really big school, it's hard to reach their college counselor in the first place. And sometimes college, some people are just not nice and they don't encourage you or give you that great advice. I don't know. Everyone's like in a different Mm -hmm. state, especially now with everything virtual and you only have emails to rely on. And if your college counselor is not great at answering emails, it's going to be rough to get their advice. So how can somebody, especially a senior, establish like a good relationship with their college counselor, make the most of it so that they can get what they need um, in the college process?
1: So there's a couple of different things. If you, one, you wanna try to like communicate with them as much as possible, right? If that's an option for you. Um, If you are at a school where, you know, a college counselor has a really small caseload um, such as me, like it's easy if my students want to contact me, I'm usually available, right? Like yeah. I can meet with you and I'm always, you know, willing to do that because it's, it, I mean, it's not just my job, but I like it, right? Like I like yeah. doing it. I like talking to students. That's why I'm a college counselor. Um, so if it, that's your situation, reach out as often and as frequently as possible just to have conversations, let them get to know you. Because as I'm writing my rec letter, this is what I'm thinking about, like all these conversations we've had about what you want to do in the future and all the things you've done. And I get to know you through it and really show your personality. So if that's your situation, definitely do that. But I want to recognize that lots of people don't have that situation. Yeah. And so what it requires of you is, you know, if your college counselor really has a caseload of like 200 students, right? Um You might not be able to go in and see them in their office whenever you want and have them get to know you. I think, you know, one way to help yourself through the college process is to work up kind of like a resume or something that looks similar to your activity list um, on your common application or just thinking about the things you have participated in, because it's likely that that person isn't really going to know you well. And if you just send them an email and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm applying to college. I know you're writing my rec letter. And these are the things I've done over the years. I'm just going to put it in an email for you, because that's really easy for them and manageable for them. And that's one way they're going to get to know you. But, but not really, you know, it's not personal, but it's through an exchange uh, of communication through email. And it says, it says a lot more about you than just, this list that you're giving them it says that you're interested in college it says that you're proactive you're mature enough to kind of write that email um so there's a lot of even character qualities that they're going to get from you if you just take that one step that literally could take you like 10 minutes right yeah um and as as that person is writing your rec letter it's likely also if they're writing 200 rec letters they probably have like a template and in that template it's just going to say a couple of different things but if you wrote to them already and like, oh, I did this, I did that, I did this. Now yours is gonna be a little bit different because they can just easily pull from that and copy and paste it into their letters. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's a really good use of your time in order to kind of distinguish yourself when you don't have that resource necessarily at your school. And then you know that's specifically for a senior. Yeah. I think that if all across the board, no matter what your situation is, if you are a sophomore, a junior, you want to introduce yourself, like at least three times a year to your college counselor. Mm -hmm. Hey, nice to see you. This is me. Um, Because three times a year over a course of like two and a half years, they're gonna they're gonna remember you. And they're gonna have like a good impression of you. So this is something you should start early on, try to get to know those people who are working on your behalf to to get you into college as much as possible, right? As much as like the structure of of that high school will allow.
0: Yes, definitely talk to them. I was in your office so much. I might as well have like lived in there That's how much I was in there, Um, (laughs) but definitely take the initiative and get to know them. And also I would say there are people that I know that maybe their college counselor is a little rude or not encouraging, thinking you're not gonna get in here, you might as well just not apply. Listen, okay. Do not let their mm-hmm. um whatever they say get in the way of what you want to do. If you want to apply to this reach school, do it. If you want to apply to this program, just do it. The most you get is a no, and that's okay, but that doesn't mean that they were right or you're not gonna achieve your dreams. There's so many ways to get to the goal that you want to get to get at, but. Don't let somebody's words, I don't care if they got a master's PhD, I don't care. Do not let somebody's words get in the way of what you want to do with your life, um, what you want to achieve. Dash also put that out there because I know that especially if you're black or if you're brown, it's very easy to get that sort of um, messaging of, oh, might might as well not apply here. I definitely heard that a lot. Might as well not apply here because there's a reach or whatever. No, if you want to apply or just do it, you might... You never know; it could get in. But she, whatever happens, you're. She smart didn't hear enough. it from me. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, um, but I guess this is like a quick last question. Like, what is some advice you would give to seniors right now? I know it's really crazy right now, um, with this pandemic. But what advice would you give? Ah. Like, I would say, you know, for
1: seniors right now, um, just take it one step at a time. I think there's an idea that out there that, um, you know, college applications are a really big thing. But as you go through the process, if you just break it down into these small steps, like it doesn't have to be that hard, right? I think if you spend 20 minutes a night working on your application for a month, it's going to be done in a month. Yeah. right it's just it's just it seems overwhelming because you open up that application and you're like oh I have so much to do in it I don't know where to start just start at the very beginning and work for 15 or 20 minutes and whatever you get done you get done and the next day do the same thing and the next day do the same thing and just mm-hmm. take it one step at a time in small increments because it is overwhelming and you do have like that biology test due, and you do have that yeah. calculus test the next day and so you know, you want to pay attention to those things, but you also want to get this done. And, and sometimes just doing it in short stints um, can be really helpful. And and I think I totally agree with what you are saying. Like, don't let anybody else tell you how you should, where you should apply, um, what you're capable of, what your outcome is going to be. I will tell you like a huge secret, like I've been a college counselor for 10 years. Um, whether or not a student is going to get into a college like that's not my job right if a student comes to me and it's like do you think i'm going to get into college i don't know that's not my job my job is to prepare help you prepare the best application that you can do um but whether or not you should apply or if you're going to get in that's not my job that's admissions job Mm -hmm. they're going to look at your application and decide if you can get in or not so don't let some college counselor out there say, like, you can't get into Harvard, you can't get into Yale, or wherever it is you want to go to, like, just try, right? It doesn't hurt anybody, except maybe your wallet, if you have to pay for this. So, you know, yeah. just pay a close eye on that. But, you know, don't let other people put limits in your life. So I totally agree with you there. Um, and if you're feeling like somebody's not supporting you, just like, go ahead and do it anyway. Um and don't don't listen to anybody you do have to have a balanced list out there but you don't have to have somebody else tell you what that is
0: yeah that is a great way to end thank you so much miss ferrero for coming today for dropping those gems all that wisdom it's been a pleasure i really appreciate you for being here
1: i just want to drop one more gem for your listeners
0: okay rachel
1: did live in my office And she did (laughs) sleep there on the couch, (laughs) like every morning in the free period. We sometimes have to wake her up. Rachel, Rachel, um, you have class. Go into class. So I just thought I just thought everybody should know that.
0: (laughs) I'm guilty. Yes, I love my naps in the college office. But thank you so (laughs) much. Oh my god, those are good times. Anyway, thank you so much, (laughs) Miss (laughs) Rero.
1: thank you thank you
0: <laughs> all right y'all so that's my interview for today with miss barrero she was definitely dropping some gems so um, so thankful to have had her here if you have any specific questions about your college admission situation if you're a senior let me know and i can try and pass it on to miss barrero and she could definitely answer that for you so now it's time for culture shout outs my favorite part so the culture shout out for today goes to lace affairs which is a wig and eyelash company by Ibukun. so i know because of quarantine some of y'all need new hairstyle your hair is looking a little tired that twist outs not looking right sis probably if you're listening to this right now and that's okay because lace affairs has you covered So Lace Affairs is a small black business that specializes in custom wigs, wig customization, and they can also travel to do installs for your convenience. So you could save some of that Uber money, some of that bus money, and they can install a wig for you. And their mission is to encourage a supporting female unit where everyone can feel accepted and encouraged through the whole process of being a teen or a young adult. And... Ibukun um, usually does the wigs herself and she used to have um, her sisters and her close friends do it with her as well and she loves seeing the joy and excitement that they get when they see the final results and that encourages her to not just do it for her sisters or her close friends but to everyone. She knows that women want to feel pretty And it is that feeling of her clients throwing a wig on and transforming into their beautiful selves that keeps them going as a business. So if y'all need some new hair to make you feel good during this time, you know, the seasons are changing, the holidays are coming up. I know you want to change up that hair for Thanksgiving dinner, girl. Okay, so definitely check out Lace Affairs on Instagram at Official Lace Affairs and click the link in their bio to purchase yourself some gorgeous wig units. Okay, you deserve it. You've been working so hard. You deserve it, girl. If you would like a culture shout out, just email me at collegefortheculture at gmail.com with your business slash project. You could also DM me as well and just give me a little description and you could be featured next time so that's all i have for today if you have any thoughts on this episode or ideas on what i should talk about next hit me up on our ig at college for the culture also we're still in a pandemic it did not disappear please i know we're all tired of it but please wear your mask social distance stay home as much as you can um, because it's not only keeping you safe, but the people you love safe, the people around you safe that can't help themselves. So please be aware of this current situation right now and do your part, you know. And as I'm posting this, election day is so close, like literally less than 48 hours or something. So if we have not voted yet, please vote on Tuesday. Go vote. I know lines are crazy um right now but please do your best and try and vote if you did like an absentee ballot it is too late to mail it so do not bother just go to your local ballot box and drop it in near your board of elections and it will definitely hopefully be counted we'll see um definitely do those two things if you have not already just remember that your voice counts your vote counts okay all these crazy ass politicians wouldn't be suppressing your vote if it didn't matter so don't let them be right cast in your vote and yeah if you want to talk about your college situation specifically and how I can help in any way, email me once again at culture at gmail.com for a free consultation with me. And, or you could also DM me at the IG at collegefortheculture. And that's it. That's all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure y'all take care of yourselves. God bless y'all. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.